everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Hello everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of my K-drama podcast show. I am, wow, I'm crazy excited to chat with you guys about the drama that I have picked for this week. It made me feel a lot of things and I feel really excited about it. But also I feel like I finished it a week ago and I feel like I did some moping. <laughs> I really did. I felt like I, I really just shuffled around the house a bit after finishing this one. And I feel like I had a bit of a hollow ache in my chest. Um, so it made me feel a lot of things. And I think one of those things was a bit upset. I felt a bit upset. If you've seen it, maybe you know what I'm alluding to, which of course I will completely spoil in this chat um, as I delve deep into my feelings around the K-drama called All of Us Are Dead. So All of Us Are Dead is uh, a Netflix K-drama. Uh, its actual Hangul title is 지금 우리 학교는, which is like right now our school, which is a very, very different title to All of Us Are Dead, right now our school, our school right now. Anyway, that doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so this, like I said, it's Netflix kind of banked. Uh, clearly a fuck ton of money put into this one. It looks spectacular. It has an enormous cast. It has a zillion interconnecting kind of different storylines. Um, it has, it covers a lot of ground, like... You know, I thought the whole concept of All of Us Are Dead is basically high school zombies. But it ends up being a lot bigger in scope than that, um, which I was really surprised by. You know, there's military, there's alternate locations, there's city scenes, there's town stuff, there's like helicopters, and I'm pretty sure there's tanks at one point, but potentially I'm making that up, I can't remember. There's bombs, there's there's a lot in this drama and it looks great. It looks fucking great. And okay, <laughs> I'm a fan of zombies. I really like zombies. Why? I don't fucking know, but I do. So, you know, I would say, listen to what I'm saying about this fantastic drama and just know that it's fantastic. <laughs> but also maybe be aware that I'm a zombie fan that I like horror, I can deal with some pretty intense horror that some people might feel a little bit squeamish about. Um, so I can pre I can totally deal with some pretty dark stuff. Um, you know, it still impacts me, it affects me, but it doesn't stop me from watching or enjoying something. So I guess I'm just more right now talking about 
is this drama for you? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a horror, it's a full-on horror drama, um, but it's also, I thought, extremely emotional, which meant that not only is it scary to watch in terms of like thrilly, uh, thriller kind of stuff, like pacing, like horror, gore, like actually scary, but it also has a lot of like human drama elements that um, emotionally moved my heart and some stuff that made me feel quite upset particularly at the end all right I'm like I'm super leaping in every which way right now but um so the horror zombie high school drama all of us are dead uh came out in January 2022 it's Netflix backed like I said and it is 12 episodes long I believe each episode was about an hour from memory um again huge cast and I don't know, in my opinion, just a bloody great drama. I really, really liked it. I feel so excited about this mad wave of like Netflix back to K-dramas. Um, I'm really excited just because I think they're really... Like to me, I mean, they're still K-dramas, right? There's still elements of all these stories that I know and love, but they also really lean into the darker stuff. They don't have to worry so much, I think, about censorship and stuff like that, that maybe the, the you know, the K-dramas that air on, you know, traditional um, kind of channels in Korea, I suppose, that have more issues around censorship or how dark they can go and stuff. So I feel very excited about, I don't know, the Netflix K-dramas, I suppose. Like, I've had a really good experience so far with the ones that I've watched, and I still haven't caught up on all of the ones that there are to watch because they're literally coming out, like, one a month at the moment, which is just crazy. So there's heaps that I still have to catch up on, um, particularly Silent Sea, I want to see. I want to see Silent Sea. <laughs> hmm. And also DP and also Your Name. Um, I'm very excited for all of those ones. I'm sure I'm missing one. Also, the actor Udo Hwan is going to be starring in one very soon, which just like, look, it excites me a little bit. I cannot fucking wait. <laughs> you can better believe that as soon as that Netflix K-drama that has dog in the title, of which I've forgotten what the actual drama's called, the second that drops, I'm going to be all over that one. But anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about zombies in a high school. Um, so trying to, you know, push myself back on point here. Why did I watch All of Us Are Dead? Um, I was literally always going to watch this. It's a very strange thing to me that I am always in the mood for zombies, that I like it as a storytelling trope framework, I suppose, maybe more as, as a framework. I love the idea of the kind of stories that you can tell through a zombie drama, but also the horror elements of just, you know, people running around trying to kill each other. I suppose that's my thing. I don't know. That makes me feel weird. Um, so yeah, I, I really, the second that I heard about this one, I was unfamiliar with everyone kind of starring in it, particularly the main faces or one of the female leads I've seen in stuff, but that was really it. Everyone else was very unfamiliar to me, but I really love high school dramas. <laughs> um, I really, really love them. And I also love horror and zombie stuff. And basically this is just a big mishmash of the two. And it really is, you know, like, um, certainly it's a lot darker than the kind of youth high school things that I've watched, you know, K-dramas that I've watched in the past, but it still has a lot of the same elements, which is friendship, coming of age, romance, um, just, you know, with a shit ton of absolutely terrifying zombies thrown in and a lot of unexpected 
deaths nonstop. Um, so yeah, I was always going to watch this. Those are just things, I guess, elements or ingredients to this story that super, super personally appealed to me. Um, and so I was really looking forward to it. I was literally like, when's it coming out? When's it coming out? And then it came out and I watched it and it was great. Uh, so I guess I'll move on to casting. So like I said, didn't really know anyone. Like there's faces that I recognize in the wider cast, but out of the core group of students, um, there wasn't really anyone that I particularly, particularly knew. Um, it's a huge amount of people in this, so I'm going to be selective about who I talk about here or we will be here all day. So basically I feel like it's a definitely ensemble, but one of the absolute main characters, potentially, I kind of feel like the main character, is played by an actor called Yoon Tan Yong. I've just realized I forgot to like do my research before I started recording and check what else these people have been in. How embarrassing. Oh, so this dude. I mean, I recognize this guy's face, right? Um, so the actor Yoon Tan Yong, uh, he plays sort of the main character, one of the high school students, um, a boy called Yi Tong Fan. Uh, so this actor, Yun Tan Yong, he was in Do You Like Brahms from 2020. That is a drama I haven't seen, so I didn't know him from that. He was in Dr. John in 2019 as well. He's a hard worker. This one, he's been in a shit ton of dramas every year. Um, he was in Still 17. Wonder if that's where I recognize him from. Uh, he was in Dr. Romantic. So I can see he's been in stuff that I've watched, like Hua Zhang. Uh, so yeah, I guess I just recognized his face from other stuff. Um, the, one of the other students is sort of, I guess, uh, Chong San is a high school boy. He has a best friend who's a girl who he's also secretly in love with. And by secretly, I mean, literally everyone at school knows except for her. She hasn't noticed. So she is played by an actress called Park Ji Hu, and she plays a character called Onjo. So Park Ji Hu, the actress, um, she has been in nothing that I have seen. And I also saw recently online that she like literally right now has just um, graduated high school. So, wow. How do you manage to go through your senior year at high school as well as film this drama? And I have to say, filming this drama must have been the most intense thing ever. Like the action scenes in this are choreographed in the most incredible way. I feel like it's like watching, I don't know, a really intricate dance show or a really intricate martial arts drama with just how tight the action is. And when I think about the choreography, the planning, the practice and repetition that it would have taken to get it looking as good as it does, like oh, it is mind blowing to me. It's really incredible. So how this actress Park Ji-hoo managed to do what she did and be in this drama and do all those action scenes, which would have taken so much preparation while also graduating high school. Goodness, she's a lot more accomplished than I am. <laughs> uh, so there's another female lead sort of actress in this. Um, so her name is Cho Yi-hon. That's the actress's name. And she plays a character called Namra. So Namra is the class president and she's, you know, doesn't smile a lot. People don't really know her. She doesn't talk to them. They all think she's a little bit aloof. Um, so this is an actress that I had 
actually seen before. All right, so she plays um, the lead actor's little sister in My Country, The New Age, which is an incredible historical drama from 2019, which I absolutely adored. Um, she also had... I don't remember her from it, but apparently she's in Hospital Playlist. Uh, she was in How to Buy a Friend, which I saw. Don't remember her from that. And apparently she's in School 2021, which I have not watched. Uh, so I've definitely seen quite a few of her dramas. I certainly recognized her face. I really liked her in this. I thought she was great. Uh, and then there's a dude called, the actor's name is Lomon. And Lomon, I mean, I don't know. That sounds like a K-pop name, isn't it? Lomon. Uh, so he's actually been in quite a few things. He was in a drama called Sweet Revenge. Have I seen that? Have I heard of it? I don't think so. He was also in Shopaholic Louis, which is King Louis, Shopping King Louis. That's what I know it as. Shopping King Louis from 2016. Mad drama, that one. Oh, he was in Lookout in 2017, which was um, kind of a revenge heist drama that I really enjoyed. And he was also in Doctors uh, from 2016, which was a crappy drama, in my opinion. So interestingly enough, this dude's been around in drama land a long time and he's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, so he's a new face to me. Uh, he was great, really great. Um, so many people to mention. I'll quickly mention the actress Iyumi, who plays sort of an antagonist high school, um, female high school student called Nayon. Uh, this actress Iyumi is in a couple of different things I've seen. Um, I think 365, Repeat the Year she's in, and she's also in Squid Game. She plays like a little cameo role in that, uh, but, you know, very noticeable one, I suppose. Um, loads of other people. I won't go into it. We'll, we'll do it as we go if I need to. Those are kind of, I feel like those are the main, main ones anyway, particularly the first four that I mentioned. Um, so should you watch All of Us Are Dead? Like I said, I'm a horror fan. I like a bit of gore and a bit of murder. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like my taste as a K-drama viewer is so strange because it's like really extreme in two different directions. There is a part of me that just wants to watch tropey mctrope romance with every tropey romance you can ever think of with nothing but kissing and an absolute solid happy ending that is one genre that I adore and if it's a high school that's even better like if it's a youth drama in a high school I'm all over that and then on the other end of the spectrum I like things that are dark as fuck and really intense and have lots of blood and gore and murder and don't necessarily have happy endings really weird, right? Um, so I presume there are a lot of listeners to the show who hopefully have, you know, maybe if you've been listening for a while, you might not have the same taste as me. We might not have the same personal preferences, but hopefully you can tell from listening to me waffle on about stuff um, where you kind of stand against the things that I like. So um, this one may or may not, I think, be for listeners, depending on your threshold for gore, violence, horror, and very, very scary zombies. Um, but if any of those things are things that you like, um, or lean into or can handle, I think this one is a great watch. I think personally, I found it really, really solid. I found it really expansive. I found it surprising. I thought the action was extremely thrilling. I was absolutely on the edge of my seat. I found the characters really, really likable. I really cared about what happened to them. Um, it was just a really thrilling and very satisfying ride. And the ending 
actually kind of ripped my heart out and stomped on it on it a little bit and I just again moping around the house with like a hollow chest for a week <laughs> which you know isn't the most comfortable of feelings but also you don't do that if if the drama's no good you know this is a drama that got under my skin and it looks amazing and it's so thrilling, but it's the people and the characters that got under my skin, which means, you know, it was the emotions and the interactions and the human elements that I guess I loved the most, even though, fuck, the action's good in this. All right, I'm going to move on and tell you guys a little bit about the story setup of All of Us Are Dead. Alrighty, so the drama kind of opens on a typical day. They're in a city called, I think it's Hyosan, Hyosan? Uh, and Hyosan High School, basically. And that's where our main characters go. Um, it's pretty much the start of the day and we get introduced to kind of most of the main players. Um, so... Itong-san is sort of the main dude, played by the actor Yun Tan Yong. I thought he was great in this. Um, he had an extremely physical role, like so much of his part is just the maddest action scenes that were some of my favorite. And he's a really interesting hero in that he is, he's all action. He's, he's not I guess I'll get into it later, but I found it really interesting that even though in a lot of ways he sort of is the lead character and in a lot of ways he drives a lot of the plans that the students make when they're, you know, under distress in this kind of really scary situation later on in the drama. I don't think that Chongsan necessarily falls into the very easy category of like hero or anything like that. He There's this this element to him that's almost a little bit reckless, but he's also extremely capable he just throws himself in and obviously not always for his own good but he always is doing the right thing for other people but um I really really liked him a lot as a character so the drama kind of opens and we realize that Chong San this high school boy I think they're in their second last year so they're not seniors um he lives next door and has grown up next to his best friend Onjo so Onjo is sort of a female lead, but not really. She's just one of many students and played by the actress Park Ji-hoo. So um, they both live in kind of this big block of flats. They've got apartments right next to each other. And we see pretty quickly that um, I guess they have this very lived in sort of friendship bickering sort of vibe in that she comes out of her little, you know, apartment and he's already waiting for her in the morning to go to school together. And they do this quick, like, you know, a game of what do you even call that thing? Rock, paper, scissors? Yeah, that thing. And whoever loses has to carry the other one's school bag. So Onjo, um, she loses and he, you know, he thinks it's hilarious. He's laughing at her and they basically, you know, she refuses and tries to run off and he's chasing her. And it's all just very kind of fun, kind of young, innocent friendship. But we also see... Um, that Chong San is like super, super into her. Basically, there's this scene where they're all going to, I guess, Night Academy or something at some point. And Andre kind of takes him aside and she's like, you know, don't laugh. I have a serious question. And then she like puts her hair behind her ear on one side and she's like, is this better? And then she takes it out and puts it on the other side. And she's like, or is this better? And so it's an interesting one because as a viewer, you're like, 
uh, you kind of get the impression she, she's not hitting on him right now. There's something going on there with somebody else at school. Um, she has a massive crush on this other dude at school. But of course, Chong San has no idea what's going on. And he just like, he just looks like someone slapped him in the face, basically. And he just stares at her for ages. And then eventually sort of is like, oh, uh, yeah, you know, whatever. So we get, we understand very quickly that he's completely into her. And we also understand from their friendship groups at school that everyone in school believes that these two are dating. They believe they've always been dating. Um, no one believes Anjo when she says that isn't true or him, basically. Um, but the problem is for Jong-san that Anjo has a massive crush on this other dude at school. So this dude is called Suhok and he's played by the actor Lomon. So Suhok, we find out, used to be part of this really awful, fucking awful bully gang. And for maybe a year, he's been out of that. But of course, this means that he's very physically capable. He's able to like do scary fighting and he's... I guess can be uh, very good in a fight if he wants to be, even though he comes across as a bit of a sweetheart now, like he's clearly not into that stuff. He's changed who he used to be. And he's really good friends with Chong San. So Anjo at school takes Suhok aside and she gives him like her little red name tag, which says her name, Nam Anjo. And it's obviously like a bit of a school thing um, that if you like someone, you just hand them this, your name tag, and then they know what that means. And as Andro's best buddy says, like, basically, you just threw yourself at him. That's what that is. And Suhok doesn't get a chance to say anything other than, what? I thought you were with Chongsan. And then, you know, they get interrupted, I'm pretty sure, by Chongsan, who's like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> so immediately there's super complicated, like little love lines and high school stuff going on, which I super enjoyed because I'm really into all that kind of stuff. And I love the idea of, you know, just this little tangled web of teen emotions facing the apocalypse like it's just another added element of you know conflict I suppose between all these characters so this whole thing with Anjo having this massive crush on Suhok and hitting on him by giving him the name tag like it never really gets resolved Anjo heads off to the cafeteria with her best friend and her best friend is Isak another girl from school I recognize this actress's face as well actually um she's been in heaps of stuff I think playing the young versions of people potentially anyway so Andre kind of says to Isak like oh you know I, I hit on Suhok I confessed to him but I don't know what's happened yet and Isak like everybody else is like what I thought you were with Chongsan um so everyone thinks they're together poor Chongsan he clearly wants that to be the case um but at this point he doesn't know about all this crush stuff um, so meanwhile, we kind of get introduced to another major character and this dude, um, the actor's name is Yuen Su and the character's name is Guinam. Mullet boy. Shall I just call him mullet boy or will I call him Guinam? He has a big old mullet on his head, which, you know, I don't know. Maybe you're sitting there listening. You have a mullet. I'm sure yours looks really cool. This guy's, it just looked like a big old mullet. Anyway, Guinam was a very interesting character. I realize I've just forgotten to introduce a whole part of the story. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll get into that. Anyway, 
Uh, Green Arm is this mad bully. So he is kind of like a lackey bully. And I found this a little bit interesting. Um, everyone in the drama or the students have a lot of baggage. And I guess that's the point, you know, they're all bringing in a lot of real world baggage into this sort of end of world scenario that is literally life and death, but it doesn't mean they can just drop their real world baggage. So Guinam's baggage is that he is basically part of a group, which are these awful, fucking awful bully group. And the leader of the bullies, again, a face I've seen in heaps of dramas, is this horrible dude. And he's just a horrible dude. That's his whole personality. He's this mean, horrible dude. And he bullies some kids really, really severely, but he doesn't physically do it himself. He has sort of other dudes in his like little bully group that he just orders around. So the leader of the group never actually punches or hits anyone, but he gets Gwinam to do it, Mullet Boy. So Mullet Boy Gwinam, you know, basically at the start of the drama is on a rooftop and he's been ordered to attack this boy. And this boy is a very bullied kid from school. And as they're hitting this boy, he starts turning into something else. Something weird happens. And then they he fights back, basically. And it's clear that this bullying has been going on for a very long time. And this boy has never, you know, this boy is a victim of bullying and he's never fought back before. So it's a real shock for the bullies. But in the ensuing fight, the bullied boy goes over the side of this, you know, multi-story building and crashes down to the street. And the head bully's kind of like, huh, that guy's dead, whatever, which, you know, what a dick. And I feel that Gwen Arm is a little bit, you know, I'm not going to say he's guilty about it. He's a pretty horrible, scary dude, but he's a little bit scared, I want to say. Like, he's not, you know, I don't think this is a normal occurrence that he's just going to shrug off. Like, this is a bit scary. This is a bit higher level than what I think he's used to. He's not a good dude, though. Um, so anyway, this little, this boy, this bullied victim boy who's just fallen off a building and we think he's dead is not dead. And his dad, who is a science teacher at the high school, rushes to hospital to, you know, save his kid, finds his kid coming back to life instead of being dead like he's meant to be, um, and turning into a zombie and trying to chomp everything. And he's like, I'm so sorry. And then he like, I'm pretty sure he strangles his son or something or like tries to make him unconscious. But we find out later that that wasn't actually him killing him because he's a zombie and that's not how you kill zombies. You can't suffocate a zombie because it's already dead. Apparently that's the, the rules. <laughs> uh, but zombies aren't real, so it's fine. Um, so basically the whole thing with this science teacher is that he is like, you know, he's a genius scientist who got expelled from academia and research because he was presumably messing around with some weird shit. So he went into like a pharmaceutical company, same deal, got kind of fired in a not good way, presumably from messing around with some weird shit. And now he is working as a high school teacher in a local public high school. Um, I believe it's a public high school. And so, you know, that's considered a real step down considering his credentials and his history um, and clearly he's a total bit of a mad scientist and we find out that and this is what I find so interesting I love that every zombie kind of media story always has different lore around how it happened how it started why it did um, and I found this one really interesting it was a bit different to what I'd seen before so basically the science teacher has a son that is severely bullied at high school in the same school that he works in and he kind of says there's three kids that get bullied um, a girl and two boys and 
you know, this science teacher's son is one of the two boys. And he eventually says to his son, you know, like, we'll, we'll tell the school, like, we'll try and do something. And they have a big, you know, school violence committee. But obviously the principal just wants to, you know, pretend none of it's real, get rid of it. It's bad for the school. No one does anything. No change is made. The kids who are being bullied are put on the spot. And, you know, right in front of the bullies, they can't accuse them because they are conditioned to be fucking terrified for their lives like it is awful and I hated all that stuff like it's really bad and so the science teacher completely loses faith that anything can help his son and there's this absolutely awful scene where you know his son comes home from school one day and his son's just like dripping wet clearly you know been bullied again his son has tried to kill himself at this point and the science teacher is you know, obviously he wants to help his son, but he's at the end of his tether. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to help him. And he does this awful thing, which is he snaps at his son and is like, why don't you just fight back then? Like why, you know, almost like this is your fault. Why are you letting this happen to yourself? Which is just, oh my gosh, I hated it. But you know, this is a dad who doesn't know what to do, who feels helpless, who feels useless, who feels like he's not a good enough father. He can't even protect his child. So there's so many different sort of levels to him saying this truly awful thing that you can tell he regrets it as soon as he said it. And so I guess it gives the father an idea and he creates like, you know, a little bloody little virus. And then he, you know, he stabs it up inside his little son and his little son turns into a little rage monster. <laughs> so I feel like the science teacher was not necessarily aiming to turn his son into a mad zombie, but he did. And so his son kind of flips in and out of being a zombie and going back to himself. So he's not really dead. But then when he does die, he kind of comes back to himself. And the idea was that the science teacher didn't actually want to turn his son into a zombie, but he wanted to give his son kind of like superhuman powers. He wanted to enable his son to be able to fight back. Of course, it goes wrong. The son gets infected. The son bites the mother. So now the science teacher's wife is infected. And eventually we find out that he thinks he has to... Oh, no, I don't think he does kill them in the end. He just sort of has them chained up in his little mini apartment while he makes videos about, you know, trying to resolve the problem. But... Uh, you know, in his little science lab at school, for some unfathomable reason, he has a little cage filled with some little zombie mice. And um, one of the girls who bullied his son, I don't think the science teacher realizes this, um, heads on into the lab to do some shit. I don't know. And she gets a little tiny bite on the finger because basically she's like, there's something weird in this box. It's being really weird. And then there's this mouse that's just been completely crazy. And she's like, I'm going to stick my finger in there with that. And I was like girl you deserve to get turned into a zombie <laughs> how silly so anyway she does she gets turned into a zombie the science teacher is like fuck so he ties her up he leaves her in the high school for a few days everyone's like where's this girl like no one knows where she is like we better search the school and he's trying to hide her in his little secret science lab um, but of course eventually she gets loose and some people find her, including like all the people from her class, which is our main characters. So, you know, Chongsan and bloody, what's it, Suyok, <laughs> the other dude that Onjo was into and Onjo and stuff. And they, their teacher, uh, who's this young woman, you know, they kind of all bring this girl who's like covered in blood and she's walked into in the middle of class and she's like, the fucking science teacher injected me with something and, you know, tied me to his radiator for a couple of days. So they're all like 
oh dear. And then they pretty much bring her into the nurse's office and the nurse, I'm pretty sure the nurse gets bit. Um, someone else I reckon gets bit. Um, our main character Onjo gets scratched up, but she's fine. It's all good. It's just a scratch. It's not a bite. And eventually they cart this girl off to hospital. By the time she gets to hospital, people are going in there trying to help her and she's eating them. So we have a virus spreading in the hospital at the same time as everything at school is going normally. And the nurse starts feeling weird. She starts feeling sick. Uh, so, you know, it's not great. Um, so I guess that's the start of the outbreak and I'll get into that in a second but I did also just want to mention so Guinam who's this horrific awful piece of shit of a bully mullet boy his group who are bullying people the the other two kids that were part of this you know school violence committee thing that are two other victims uh is a girl called Unji played by an actress called Ohesu so Unji and also a dude called Tosu sorry Tosu uh played by an actor called Anzi Ho um they are right as the zombie kind of stuff is starting to happen in the school so the nurse is starting to you know be a bit fucking weird um and you know have blood pouring out of her and stuff they have gone up onto the roof unji we see like it is so fucked up the bullying stuff in this is absolutely fucked it made me really uncomfortable and i really hated it but basically the bullies are like making her take her shirt off and stuff they're making the other boy like film her and then you know saying to her that they're going to put it on social media and ruin her life and all this like so she is just getting harassed all hell and so is the boy even but the boy is really into her but she is just at the edge so we catch up with her again unji she's on the roof of the school and she's about to step off tolsu kind of turns up and he's like no don't do it and right at that moment, just as she's about to jump, she has this whole conversation. You know, she wants to burn the school down. While you know, no one's ever helped them. Um, he's a coward. She's a coward. They're both losers. Like blah 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 blah. And then as she's kind of looks like she's going to jump, like really she does. It was really scary. Um, she kind of looks down from the roof, and suddenly, like all the windows of this, it's like a four or five, six story. I don't know, big massive building. This school, and suddenly students just come careening out of the window smashing the glass and just you know just plopping down like loads of them so they're on the roof the door's locked and we kind of leave them I guess in the story for a while but Unji particularly becomes quite an important character and one that I found fucking fascinating following her story was very very interesting um so as the you know the inve the infection is really starting to spread around the school Andro is sitting in the cafeteria with her best friend Isak and they're sort of gossiping about boys and Andro's like I like Suhyok and Isak's like but I thought you and Chongsan were together blah 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 and then uh basically all hell breaks loose and this the whole scene of the initial outbreak in the school how fast it moves but also just the choreography of the action absolutely just astounded me I was just on the edge of my seat I just it was so intense also each episode has a mad cliffhanger so I was like oh where's the next episode oh my gosh um so yeah I just thought it was so tightly written this show there's so many kind of different storylines going on different characters um that their storylines really interlock all the time. So it's like you as a viewer get this really wide, big picture of what's going on, but all the characters are just lost in their own little separate kind of worlds and storylines. And they don't even know how their storylines are sort of, 
you know, interconnecting and stuff, but we see, you know, what's happening with the virus with a school nurse and how it's traveling. And then we see, you know, all the kids in the school start like, you know, big stampedes trying to run away. And then they all end up running or like a huge amount of uninfected kids run, you know, in absolute panic and terror to the cafeteria. So this is really interesting. It's like huge glass doors and then, you know, just a big cafeteria with chairs all the way through it. And Ondo and her best friend are in there. So's uh, Tong San. And I'm pretty sure Su Hok, I actually don't know where he was at this point. He was somewhere else, I reckon. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting. They're just sitting there and everyone's just chatting. Everything's normal, whatever. Um, and I think Chong San and his bestest buddy Gong Su, uh, played by an actor called Ham Sung Min, are sitting at a different table. And um, the, the big glass doors, it's like everyone is just chatting, everything's normal, and suddenly they look up and there's all these kids running towards, you know, not even the doors, but just the glass walls, like the front of the building, and they're all freaking the fuck out. And it's like a stampede. It's like that scene in The Lion King. Oh, my gosh, what a scary scene is that? Um, anyway, <laughs> um, and they're all just like crushing against this glass. And there's so many of them that they can't fit through the door. So they're spilling against the glass and they're all leaning against it. And the panic is so intense. And there's so many kids coming from behind that eventually they smash through the glass in this like just the maddest chaotic thing I've ever seen. And these are not the zombies. These are just people that are in terror trying to get away. Um, so they've kind of been herded there. And then suddenly as they're kind of running through and all the kids inside the cafeteria are just like, what the fuck? Like this is, they just don't even know what to think. And then the zombies start coming after them, which is all just kids from school who are just completely rabid and trying to fucking get everybody. These are not slow, ambly kind of zombies. These are rage monsters. They are running at them. Like it's super scary. They're super fast. They, so they can't like open doors. They can't climb on things, but they just run into stuff. They jump on things. They leap. They just throw themselves around. It's really, really scary. And they try and grasp with their fingers, but they're not that great at it. Um, and so Anjo is just like, she's kind of pushed onto the floor and she's just sort of in the middle of, you know, the main walkway in the cafeteria. And there's just utter chaos in every direction around her. There's just kids running every which way. Something happens, I think, with like a fire or whatever and the fire alarm. So the, you know, there's water coming down from, um, you know, fire water tubes <laughs> what's that called i don't know anyway there's uh, the sprinkler system that's it so the sprinkler system shit going everywhere so everything's wet everything's mad it's just so chaotic and i think just from like this is there's a couple of scenes in the drama that really really astounded me in terms of like that choreography because it moves so fast like to have so much going on, kids running every which way with these really wide shots with people getting chased, people getting got, people getting almost got, people leaping out of the way at the last moment and, you know, falling around as they do. It's just like, I just don't understand how you can set up a shot like this. It looks so good. Like presumably a lot of the main actors would have to use stunt doubles for some of this, but it doesn't really look like it. It's them. You're seeing them just kind of, I don't know, just dodging and dodging and dodging and just, you know, particularly Tong San is, he just throws himself around in the most like intense physical way. I was just like, whoa, it's like, 
he just throw himself at a desk and he rolls over it and then he's flat on the ground and then he's like, you know, crawling away and then someone's got him and then he manages to kick them and he's away and then someone else just swipes past him and it's just on and on and on and relentless. And of course, Chong San is just like, where's Onjo? Where's Onjo? He gets to her. He saves her. He's just basically trying to get her out. And this is his whole like his whole vibe is, where's Onjo? Is she fine? Get her out of this situation. And that's basically what he does. And if it wasn't for Chong San, she would have been dead within like literally two minutes because she just freezes and she ends up on the ground and she's just staring and there's monsters coming for her. Um, so they manage to get out by like rushing over to the side. It's really intense. Uh, he like hauls her onto a table. There's some kids who are like crawling out a window. So he like pushes her out and he's trying to get out. And then she's waiting in like this little alley and she sees there's more zombies coming and she's like, you know, hurry, hurry, hurry. And eventually he like joins her and they run off and he's holding her hand. And then they're just running around like outside the school trying to dodge zombies and they're just everywhere. And you look down at like the big, um, you know, the school field or oval or whatever and it's just covered in people just running every which way like just jumping on each other like the chaos is immense um so all this like total madness occurs but eventually Onjo and Tongsan I think they climb up onto you know I don't know a, a truck that's crashed and then get on the roof and get back into the school but then they're running around the school but they manage to get back to their normal homeroom class and the doors are shut but someone lets them in and it's you know the students from their class are in there um, locked away so the idea is if the zombies don't know you're in a classroom even though you know it's all glass along a lot of the wall with windows they can't open the door if they know you're in there they'll throw themselves at it and if enough of them do that they can crash through but if they don't know you're in there because they can't hear you um or see you I guess but mainly hear you I think they really go for noises then you can kind of just sit in there quietly so they're doing that they're all like holding the doors we get introduced to a whole bunch of different characters and then um I think no, Suhok, not at that point. Anyway, Suhok, who's, you know, the, the dude that Onjo is crushing on, who used to be a bully, but he's kind of reformed himself. He's meanwhile um, kind of hitting on this girl <laughs> who's the class president. So we immediately realize he's actually not into Onjo at all. He's got a crush on this other girl called Namra. Uh, so Namra is played by the actress Cho Yi Hon, who is about the only person I kind of really recognized in this. Um, she's really great. She's very beautiful. Um, and I really liked her in this. So she plays a kind of a cool, aloof sort of class president. People aren't very nice to her. And she just walks around with earbuds in all the time. She doesn't talk to anybody. So Suhok kind of, I don't remember what happens. He's like trying to talk to her and she takes her earphones out and they kind of have a little exchange. And then she walks off and she's like... She's reading, you know, something, I guess. And then he kind of notices that she's literally, because she's not looking and she can't hear, she's got music in, about to walk into a huge pile of zombies that are pouring out of the school. So he just runs for her, grabs her arm and like hauls her off. And then they're off on a different mission. Um, try And they, in the end, they get to the same classroom as all the rest and everyone kind of joins up together. Um, and then from there, well, chaos. And, you know, we kind of have the whole thing of... I guess, you know, it's quite a big group. Little by little people get picked off. The whole trust issue thing, like a whole bunch of different personalities squished together. How does that work? Um, are there adults going to come? Do they have phones? Are there, is, you know, the police going to turn up? Um, and it just goes on and on and they get stuck in the school for quite a long time. Um, so yeah, it was madness. I mean, that's the start of the drama. There's also like another whole storyline 
with some other characters. So, I mean, but really there's so many interconnecting storylines and things just get madly interesting. I thought the writing was really, really good. It's kind of quite intricate. There's a lot of really fascinating characters all doing their own things, but their actions always impact the other storylines, um, which is something that I really liked. I, I just thought, I don't know. I thought it was really satisfying, I suppose, seeing how everything connected and how everything impact everything else. So it is an amazing show. I'm going to talk about some stuff that I loved now and go into detail about a few scenes that I thought were really good or a few storylines that I really, really loved. But generally from the point where, you know, these kids all end up in the classroom, it's like they're in the classroom, something happens, they have to move, they get forced to run, they realize they're running out of, you know, food, water, all this kind of stuff. So they're constantly having to weigh up, you know, safety versus survival, going out into the halls, um, risking their lives. And obviously, at first, the whole thing is about we've got to knuckle down. We've got to stay here in the school. We're safe in this current place that we're at. We've got to wait for rescue. But then, of course, rescue doesn't come. And that is a huge theme in the drama, this idea of, you know, and this is quite a surprise because when the show begins, it's this very close, chaotic, kind of suffocating zombie drama with these characters on the ground. But then each episode seems to widen and introduce characters in different areas of the city or eventually introducing like military leaders and people in charge of, you know, I guess trying to solve this problem and what their priorities might be and these really awful decisions they have to make between the greater good versus saving individual lives. And of course, in the middle of all this, we've got a high school where not a single rescue worker ever went to try and help. And on top of that, you know, these kids are calling the police and the police are just like, ha ha, zombies, sure. Um, so yeah, there's a really interesting kind of discussion, I suppose, around, just around that idea of the greater good, I think, which was quite fascinating. Um, another thing that I'll just mention while I remember it, because I didn't write it down for my stuff I love, but this was something I loved. Um, you know, when you watch a lot of zombie stuff, um, the characters in it have clearly never seen a zombie movie and they're always like, what's going on? Like, it's so weird. How, like, why is this happening? Or like, we'll call them walkers or, you know, I don't know, runners or screamers. Like they always give them weird nicknames. And literally within two seconds, like, so, um, Chong San, I'm pretty sure it's Chong San, you know, he gets Onjo out of the cafeteria. They get back into the classroom and then everyone sort of has a breathing space moment. They're all kind of like fighting and talking and everyone's like, well, what's going on? And Chong San is like, they're zombies. And everyone's like, what do you mean? And he's just like, well, haven't you seen Train to Busan? Like, they're zombies. And I was like, yeah, I kind of love, you know, that this show is set in a world where TV exists and people actually have a little bit of knowledge about these things. And I find that really funny. Like, you know, people in a horror thing, but they exist in a world with knowledge about horror stuff. So I thought that was really, really fun touch. And I really liked it. And all right, I'm going to talk about some stuff that I loved about All of Us Are Dead. Alrighty, so here is a huge list of stuff that I loved about All of Us Are Dead. Um, I thought it looked bloody incredible. Um, there's clearly so much money been poured into this. The set pieces were insane. The action stuff was insane. The expansive, like how expansive the world got was crazy. Like there's so much military stuff and like just, I don't know, it was mad. Um, 
very cool. I thought it looked great. Uh, so for me, I loved all the characters and I loved all the character interactions and I loved the action. They were my two like favorite things. The action stuff in this was bonkers. Like it was so thrilling and scary and so fast paced that like you're just breathless. Like I just couldn't keep up. There was so much happening all at once. Um, it was crazy. And I thought, all of them were so good, like all the characters in these action scenes, but particularly Tong San, just some of his action scenes were out of this world. Like just seeing him running through the school at like full pelt, being chased by loads of zombies, but loads of zombies like launching themselves out of side doors, coming at him. And he's constantly like just sliding out of the way or falling out of the way, or like just trying to like jump over something to get away and he's just constantly falling and getting up and sliding and jumping and leaping and you're just like whoa like every single time it's so close he's so close to getting got that I was just like how do they how do they make this I don't know I was super impressed um I don't know why it was just really really cool I thought that actor, like, presumably it's him. Like, it looks like it's him. You'd think that would be stunt double stuff because of the way he has to, like, literally just leap through the air and land on his face constantly. It looks intense, but it looks like it's him. They're all wide shots. Like, and I think that's maybe what I found so exciting is sometimes you watch action things and what they do is they get real, real close and they'll show you a little bit of a limb and then they'll shake the camera so you know it's action-y, but you can't really see what's going on. You just get the sense that something intense is happening because of the way the camera is, you know, showing you a bit of leg and a bit of arm and a bit of jumping and then, you know, whatever. And I felt like so many of the the really mad scenes in this drama were like wide shot. And literally Chong San, who we recognize, you know, I mean, maybe it's a stunt double. I don't know how these things work, but it looks like him wide shot him just running through like a literal obstacle course of zombies and furniture and at one point a mad scary bully like crazy shit I thought it was so good um so yes I loved that a lot um so I've written I really enjoyed the way I thought the drama kind of subverted some kind of usual zombie tropes um which I thought was really fun and kind of gives it a unique spin I think uh, you know I guess zombies and the kind of stories that you tell with zombies as a framework you know, it's tried and tested. It's done. I wouldn't say it's overdone because clearly someone still likes it. I still like it. This is a really popular drama. So I guess heaps of people still like it. But, you know, sometimes you can watch a whole zombie thing and be like, look, I enjoyed that, but there's nothing I haven't seen before. Um, but interestingly enough, I feel like these days, maybe if you're going to make a zombie thing, you do have to think of a unique twist because otherwise it isn't overdone, potentially oversaturated. I mean, genre potentially. So I'm thinking of um, the K-drama Happiness, which came out recently, which again, it had a very interesting kind of approach to where the virus comes from. Also, when the virus is introduced to a human in happiness, they don't die. It's like a rage thing. They lose their mind. They go ragey. They try and bite people's throats out, but then they can come back to themselves. And also through sheer willpower, they can kind of hold off the transformation. So that was extremely unique in happiness. I really enjoyed that aspect of the zombie sort of lore in that world. And I feel like similarly, <laughs> how the fuck do you say that word? I shouldn't say that on here because I never can say it properly. Um, I felt like um, All of Us Are Dead also 
did some interesting things with the zombie law. So obviously the origins of the virus is quite fascinating. Um, it was like a little mystery that we solve as we go in further. Like we understand the science teacher has a lot to do with it. His son is clearly ground zero, but it's quite heartbreaking in the end to see that, you know, this dad's created it because he's trying to save his son because he literally doesn't know what else to do. Um, it's a pretty mad move by that dad, but also like, I guess he's been driven to the point where his, his son is clearly going to kill himself if the dad doesn't do something. So he does this and it's a terrible mistake. And it's an interesting kind of origin because for a lot of the drama, we see the dad trying very, very hard to halt the spread of the zombie infection. He's trying so hard to keep it contained, to not let it get out and touch other people. But then he gets arrested. He ends up um, kind of facing off with this detective who becomes a bit of a character. And the detective's kind of grilling him. And the detective's like, you killed this other girl. You've clearly done something. You've killed your son. You're a bad guy. And you just see as this science teacher is like, you've got to listen to me. Like you have to listen to me. Otherwise things are going to get out of hand. Everyone's going to die unless you listen to me and no one will listen to him. So eventually you see him get to this point where he's like, well, look, you know, his son's dead. His wife's dead. What does he care? You know, the world has done this to his kid. And destroyed his child's life. It's such a harsh, horrible place. And so eventually he's just like, well, fuck everyone then. Like, let everyone die. What do I care? But of course, it's not really true. And, you know, the detective kind of, you know, he ends up helping the detective, um, tells him where to get, you know, the only bit of sort of, um, well, he says it's a cure, but it's not really, is it? We find out in the end. Um, and then, you know, gets turned into a bloody zombie or whatever. Um, so I thought all that origin stuff is quite interesting. Um, another big sort of deviation to the normal zombie stuff in this drama, which I thought was really interesting, is some people, not all people, but about three of the main characters in this drama, when they get bit by zombies, they don't turn into a zombie. They do change. They change very, very much, but they do not lose their mind. They are still themselves. So basically, I think they are a much closer version of what the science teacher was hoping to create, which is almost like a superhuman. But unfortunately, after a long time, they still get this mad craving for blood to basically eat somebody. Um, but at first, they're very much just themselves, but a lot stronger, a lot scarier. And... If you can imagine, like some of the best scenes that were so cool, like particularly, um, so the, I guess the ones that get bit that don't change is Gwinam, mullet head bully. Also Namra, who's the kind of the cool class president that um, Suhok has a mad crush for. And also um, Unji. So Unji is the bullied girl who was getting, you know, filmed to put on social media. She is so destroyed and distraught. Like she, it's I felt so sorry for this girl. So she's on the roof and she decides she has to go down because uh, you know, all the students get their phones taken off them. But um, awful mullet head Gwinam's phone has it like set into his um, schedule to, I guess, put up this, this naked picture of her or whatever. And she doesn't want this to happen. So in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, she marches downstairs, immediately gets bit a lot and then it's like they're biting her and they're biting her and then they just sort of get bored and they walk off and she's just like, okay, well, I'm, you know, like she's been bit. So that wasn't great fun for her getting chunks bit out of her, but also 
they're leaving her alone, they're not biting her anymore, and she hasn't turned. So she gets a bit manic because that's a very scary situation to have been in, but she doesn't lose her mind completely. But also, this is a girl who is on the edge. She was just about to kill herself. She dreams about burning down the school. She hates everybody there for letting this happen to her. So, you know, it's not like she stays completely calm and rational exactly but also it's kind of different reasons that send her over the edge not just this zombie thing so yeah I really thought it was a very interesting this it's like a mutation I suppose this sort of almost superpower thing but then able to hold off the zombie stuff and still stay as themselves and it was very interesting the characters they chose to explore that. So we had, you know, Namra as the cool class president. So she's part of our team, our main group of students. And, you know, having her with them ends up saving their lives multiple times because she's stronger than them and she can protect them. And she doesn't know it, but she could have also just walked through all the zombies and none of them would have eaten her. And we also follow Unji, the bullied girl, and her whole story is fascinating. She's just like walking around the classrooms and like, you know, just basically doing mad stuff that she couldn't do before when she was just this, you know, absolute victimized poor girl. Um, and then, of course, unfortunately for everybody involved, Mullethead Green Arm also turns into a little mad, manic, superhuman zombie man. Um, very interesting storyline for him. So I thought that was just the idea of that was really interesting. Uh, so I also really liked, so in every zombie thing I've seen, you know, you always get the group, which this one did as well. You get this group kind of thrown together in this awful situation. You have a lot of different personalities that obviously, you know, create a lot of conflict as they rub up against each other. Um, and so I feel like usually in these kind of shows, every surviving group will usually, you know, they're always going to have an antagonist who stirs shit up in the group, right? Who causes big problems. Um, but I thought it was kind of interesting in this one because the I mean the, there still was an antagonist like that in the group and this was uh, a female student played by the actress Iyumi who's from Squid Game um, and she plays a character called Nayon. So Nayon's a bit of a rich girl. Um, she looks down particularly on Chongsan's best friend who she says is on welfare and she's just like a total she's fucking she's awful. She's really horrible. Um, she just has to be right basically and she's pretty intense so she's the antagonist I just thought it was interesting because I was thinking back and I'm like usually the antagonist is a man and usually the antagonist is like a know-it-all who who kind of is um contesting whatever the leadership arrangement is in the group like trying to take over like being like who let you decide or who let you be the leader and in this I thought it was quite interesting that the antagonist was female because that just seemed a little bit different to me and it was also interesting what her vibe was because she doesn't want to take over she's just so scared that she becomes vicious and she's so scared for her own life that she doesn't give a fuck about anybody else's. And I thought that was, again, an interesting kind of personality to give an antagonist. She also does the worst fucking thing in the world where she ends up getting Chong San's best friend infected. Um, so we find out pretty quickly that she's no good, but also she leaves the group really fast. And that surprised me um, because, you know, so much of, I think, zombie stories is the survival group and how they all, you know, the conflicts within the team, the conflicts within the personalities. So usually the antagonist 
is someone who sticks around for a long time just to create drama and create conflict. And it was very fascinating that in this, um, Nayon ends up kind of leaving the group very quickly. And then she sort of just hangs around and we get a bit more characterization for her, but she doesn't interact with them again. And then she gets et. She fully gets et and turned eaten eaten yeah and gets turned into a zombie much quicker than I expected for sort of who you think is getting set up as a major antagonist so I really liked that again really unexpected so yeah that was very cool um what else uh oh yeah like I said you know mostly in these groups uh kind of you know if you're going to have an antagonist you're going to have you know that character who falls in the leadership role and usually it's a reluctant leader who has to take on the responsibility I'm totally thinking about Rick from The Walking Dead who initially before that show went to absolute shit um, was a character I really liked um, but again you know with this little group of students you think oh well I guess Chong San is sort of going to be this character but no one really is and I never thought about it while I was watching but it's kind of unusual that this little group didn't really have a leader. They just talk things through. They make group decisions. People suggest things. There's a bit of fighting and infighting, but not a huge amount. Like they're pretty, they're pretty good to each other and they all sort of take risks at different points. And it was highly unusual, I think, that Chongsan didn't just fall into that leadership role. Chongsan is so capable, but he's more of an action doer than a like telling people what to do kind of a dude. He'll just throw himself in and he'll save everybody by running around the school halls. That was more of his sort of vibe, I think. So yeah, very fascinating. Um, and then lastly, a, a very surprising <laughs> story development was there's this scene, you know, things have just gone mad. They've just had like, you know, a couple of episodes of total action. They finally have a lull again. And then, uh, Suhawk, who's, you know, the ex-bully guy who's now really nice is kind of like, you know, ah, oh, I really don't want to bring this up, but, um, how, how are we going to go to the toilet? You know, they're all just locked in this classroom. And I just thought this was, again, so funny. It reminded me of the whole thing where at the start of the drama, Chong San's like, it's zombies. I know what it is. It's zombies. And it's that thing that you always think about when you watch a zombie show, but the characters in the show never think about, which is you guys have cl clearly watched horror movies and it's a zombie thing. Or when are they ever going to go to the toilet? Like, how are they managing to hold it for like days and days? <laughs> so I thought this was very amusing that in the show, they actually tackled this problem of what do you do? Like, I mean, it's just a natural part of life. Some, you're going to have to go to the toilet at some point. And this show has like a whole half episode dedicated to, yeah, what the fuck do you do? So I really enjoyed that. I thought that was very funny. And I felt like it also answered this question that I always have in like survival movies, which is weird because it's not like I really want to see everyone go to the toilet or need to or care about it. But I don't know. I thought it was pretty good that it was in there. Um, so like I said, I really enjoyed the themes around maybe like rescue priorities and government priorities and you know this whole thing where these kids are you know they've been taught to wait for adults right they've been taught to do what adults say they've been taught to hunker down stay safe wait for adults so constantly there's this push and pull in the group where they're like we better wait for the adults to come save us we don't know what to do we've got to wait for the adults and eventually it becomes clear that no one is coming and I don't know, I found this really interesting, I suppose, the idea that no rescuers ever come to save these kids. Um, obviously, 
in this, you know, this is an unprecedented, is that the right word? Yes. Um, kind of situation. There's military, uh, you know, like martial law. There's military people coming in. Everyone's trying to do something to save something, but there is not a lot of resources. Like the hospitals are down. The police are down. Even I'm sure all the soldiers that are getting sent in, like the infection is moving so fast. But at the same time, this thing of being a kid and being like, no, my my parents will come or the government will come. I called the police. The police will come and then not, you know, and it just reminds me of how fragile our society really is, which, you know, over the last bloody bunch of years with the pandemic, I feel like, you know, has become clear. These, these things feel like all that infrastructure feels so solid. It feels so fail safe, you know, like everything will be fine. We're ready for emergencies, but it's so fragile. We're not really, we just live in a very weirdly precarious situation and we just trust, you know, that if you call for an ambulance, it'll turn up. You just trust that. But because of pandemic stuff, you kind of realize that's not necessarily always the truth. And I feel like this drama really sort of touched on that a lot. Oh no, the cat's coming for my feet. Go away. She wants food, but it's not time. She's going to bite me, I know. Bad girl. Um, so, yeah, I found that the kind of theme. No. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I've got a very bad cat. I don't know why she's so bad. Um, so, yeah, those themes I thought were really interesting. There's this whole thing where, um, you know, they, they a helicopter finally turns up and the kids have finally at this point got onto the roof. They feel like this is it. They're going to get saved. The helicopter is this Black Hawk helicopter thing that turns up and all these SWAT team dudes come like crawling out of it down little strings. It's a lot cooler than that. <laughs> um, but we find out the reason they're there is because the science teacher has told the detective and the detective has finally made it to the military to say, you know, he has a cure in his laptop or information in his laptop about the virus. And so the military has to go get it. This is literally their one hope that they might know what to do to curb this, you know, this mad infection that's going around. And so this is a very important mission and they get there and there's these kids on the roof. So the guys are like, all right, you kids stay here. We're going to go get the briefcase. So they do in this another mad action scene. And then they come back on the roof and they're like, all right, we're going to put you in the helicopter one by one. We're going to take you to safety. There's a base, you know, a couple of towns over or whatever. And but while they're doing that, the military, meanwhile, finds out that some people who are infected, uh, what is it like asymptomatic? You can't tell that they're infected. And this is, of course, these very particular mutations that Guinam, uh, Namra and also the bullied girl Unji all have. And so, of course, Namra is with them. They all know she's infected, but they're not saying anything because they're really worried she'll get left behind if they do. And by this point, she's proved that she's not turning. But um, the problem is that Unji, by this point, so the bully girl, has actually reached the military camp and she has succumbed to her hunger and eaten a boy, um, the boy that she was, you know, bullied with. She's actually eaten him alive and he's dead. So the military has this reason they're like, the priority right now is to get the suitcase. The priority for the greater good, the only way that we know that might lead to us saving everybody from this infection is to get that briefcase back to the military base. If one of those kids is infected and we don't know it and it comes through while they're in the helicopter, there will be nothing we can do to stop that helicopter going down and that evidence being destroyed. Therefore, we cannot risk it. And this is what the military captain decides. 
Um, frankly, he could have just left those kids there and then the helicopter could have come back for them. But also, I suppose, priorities, right? And that's what so much of the drama is about. So these kids just get left there. They get left there with no water, no food, nowhere to go. The school is filled with zombies. The ground around the school is filled with zombies. The entire town, like they are fucked. It is such an intensely awful scene. And then, of course, you know, by the end of the drama, Andro you know, who survives, is getting interviewed when she gets to the military camp and they're asking her questions and she's just basically like, I'm not talking to you. Like, I'm never talking to someone like in authority, an adult ever again. Like, we called you, you didn't come, you left us there. And of course, for her, between that moment on the roof where they could have been saved and that moment where she's having this interview, she's lost people that are very precious to her that would not have died if they'd been saved. And it's one of those complicated issues. Because I'm like, it's so wrong that those kids got left there, that no one went to help them, and so wrong that they, yeah, they that no one went and picked them up again. But at the same time, I see why it happened that way and why the military guy made that decision, you know? And it's not like it doesn't weigh heavily on the military guy. Like, he feels a lot of responsibility for the decisions he makes throughout the drama. For instance, blowing up the entire fucking city. Um, so he devises a plan. Um, he sends helicopters around to like put on loudspeakers and tell all the people the plan so that they can get the fuck out of the way. Um, but obviously at this point, there are not many survivors. And if they are, they're probably not in a situation that they can go anywhere or do anything. Like they're probably holed in like, you know, a tiny little room or something. Um, and he lures all the zombies to, I think, like five different points around the city. And then he drops bombs, like massive bombs on them. And everyone, like all the people in the military, um, kind of base are freaking out. Like, they're like, you can't do this. This is, you know, this is really bad. There's a politician there. She's like, you, you know, you can't do it. Um, and he does, he does it. And then he goes and he kills himself because of the weight of this responsibility of this decision that he's made. And again, I thought this was really... Oh, I felt like such a complicated issue because it's not just black and white. It's not like what he did was wrong. Like what, what could he do? What else can he do? But obviously there's enormous casualties of uninfected people in making that decision. But it's such a, oh, just one of those situations that is not black and white. It's not easy to understand. It's so complicated and you don't really know what's right and wrong. Um, so yeah, I found that really interesting those kind of themes and elements in the story um like i said there was a fantastic interconnecting stories i enjoyed seeing um Anjo's dad who's like a i don't know he's like a rescuer dude is he was a bit of a terminator though like he got shot multiple times and he's like nah i'm fine and then he just runs off and you know he's kind of an old dude and he's just like pumping around running climbing things punching zombies in the face so he was a bit of a superhero but that was fine so he does find them you know he finds the students uh he saves them and then he immediately dies and it's absolutely horrific and i felt so sorry for Anjo. um there's this absolutely hilarious idiot youtuber who i've seen this actor can't remember his name but he's got like kind of a side kind of smaller side roles in this really weird drama about an intelligent ai fridge that i watched which was a weird show. He was in that. And he's also got a really small side role in um, Moonshine, which is the hairy kind of uh, historical saguk drama. So anyway, 
he's in this and he has this really weird little knitted orange hat and he meets the detective. The cat's just jumped on my desk. Yes, of course you did. Um, he meets the detective and they kind of have this like weird buddy drama together for a while which I found very amusing um so that was very funny the detective of course who's tasked with going to get this suitcase or bringing the information to the military there's this whole thing at the start with this girl who gets away from the school just before the outbreak and she looks really ill and you're like at first you think she's going to be the one carrying the virus you think she's going to be like you know ground zero kind of patient but it turns out she's actually pregnant and she's giving birth and it's so awful she just gives birth in a toilet like a public toilet and then she's so sick and unwell and I just felt so sorry for her this poor little girl um and she leaves the kid there she just walks off she doesn't know what to do and then when the zombie outbreak happens she goes back for the kid she's like she can't leave a kid there to get killed um, but by the time she like gets into safety, which turns out to be Chong San's family restaurant, this chicken restaurant his mum's obsessed with opening, you know, this girl's in there and she's already been bit multiple times. So she puts the baby in the corner and then she ties herself to the door so she can't go and eat her child. It is fucked. So there's so many like weird little anthology stories happening all over the place, but they all connect because then, you know, of course that's Chong San's mother's restaurant. And then the detective ends up there and he saves the baby. And then he finds the idiot YouTuber and all this kind of crazy stuff. Um, obviously all the stuff, I really liked all the stuff with Unji, um, seeing her change from being this, this girl who was about to kill herself to, you know, kind of taking revenge on some of the people who like this teacher particularly who was really terrible to her about being bullied and seeing her just swan around the halls with all these zombies and she's like put on lipstick and she eats a, a fish yes she does um and then seeing her like just cycling on a bike through like the mayhem of the city oh and she burns the school down brilliant uh, i really liked all her stuff and i felt sad that it you know wasn't necessarily a happy ending for this poor girl um, there's some other characters I really liked. Um, there's this, uh, Jung Hari, who's the older sister of one of the students, you know, in the main core of group that we're following. And she is a archer from the archery team. And she ends up sort of coming back into the school with this other dude and ends up like getting into the, these bathrooms and finding these other two students who are stuck in there. So I really liked Hari, who was the the girl from the archery team, and then also this other girl called Mijin, who's like clearly a bit of a delinquent bully girl, but they just had really good chemistry and banter, and Mijin's just constantly like, wow, you know, Hari's so cool, like, you know, that's she's my style. I was just like, I just liked them so much. I was so happy they survived, um, and I hope they get married. <laughs> um, what else? So very unexpected deaths. I thought this was really good, I guess, but it was quite shocking quite often when and how people died. Like it always happened quicker than I could have expected it to happen. Like Nayon, who is, you know, the antagonist sort of horrible girl who infects Chong San's best friend. She just dies so quickly. It was really unexpected. Chong San's mother dies very early in the drama, which was a real surprise. And then she pops up as a zombie later just to absolutely destroy poor Chong San's heart. Um, Andre's dad, you know, finally finds her, saves her, immediately dies. It was a big shock. Um, and of course, Andre's best friend dies super early in a really shocking sort of way. Um, and Chong San's best friend, of course, gets infected and dies again. 
really unexpected when these things happen. It was also really unexpected to me, the people that survive and make it to the military camp at the end. And I think that's what was so interesting about the drama. They really played with my expectations. They have a few characters in the main group that seem like your typical side characters. They don't get fully, fully fleshed out. So therefore you expect them to die very early on and they don't. They like literally survived to the very end of the whole show. So um, I thought that was really fascinating. Who they chose to sort of kill off when constantly kept me on my toes. I never saw any of it coming. So I thought they did very well with that, sort of subverting my expectations, I suppose. Um, gosh, I've been talking for a long time, but I'm just going to keep going. So some favorite, favorite scenes for me out of this drama um, I loved the initial outbreak scene in the cafeteria with Chong San running around trying to stop Anjo from getting eaten. Like just the mayhem, the chaos, it was just so intense. I just, you know, heart and throat kind of watching that one. I think my absolute favorite though was when, so all the students have sort of crawled down this like bloody sheet which is outside the school you know like a knotted sheet thing and they've gone into a different classroom and then um, Chong San and Su Hyok so the two boys decide they need to go and find a they need to find a mobile phone basically because none of them have their phones because the phones get taken off them in the classroom and none they're in a classroom where they can't access like the internet or a phone there's no phone in this particular one so they need to go into the teacher's lounge where this all this the phones like the mobile phones student mobile phones are kept and they need to go and get someone a phone and so they go crawling around the outside of the school it's all really scary you keep wondering like what's going to happen like you're really hoping that neither of them die because you really like both of these boys they get in there they come across Unji who is of course infected and is crazily bashing all the phones like just breaking them at this point you don't really know if she's going to bite them or not but she just sort of screams at them and it's all very scary and they're running away from zombies and the two boys get separated. Chong San has a phone um, and Su Hyok doesn't. Su Hyok gets back to the window, climbs back up and gets you know back to the other students and is like oh I'm, I'm by myself and Chong San runs off into the halls and he's about a floor or more away and he ends up which I thought was this was insane so he ends up in the principal's office and he turns up you know, manages to get in before the zombies eat him. And inside the principal's office is Gwinar, so Mullethead. So Mullethead has the principal trussed up, tied up, and he's got a knife pressed against the principal's throat. And the reason for this is, I mean, the principal's a total dick, but you can't be stabbing people for being a dick. It's no good. So the principal says to Gwinar, hey, Gwinar, how about you take my car keys? Here they are. Go out, grab my car and bring it back to me. And then, you know, we'll drive into the sunset together. And Gwinar is like, how about fucking you go out into the zombie and do that instead? By this point, Gwinar is not infected. He has not been bit. So he's basically like, nah, mate, I'm not going to do that. Um, and then, of course, Chong Sun turns up and he's like, why have you tied up the principal? Like, I think you need to untie the principal. And Guinam's like, no, I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do instead is stab him with my knife. And so he stabs the principal with his knife. But Chong Sun has got the whole thing in film and he's like, I'm going to send this to the police. I mean, it's a zombie apocalypse, but Chong Sun doesn't really know at this point that there are no police for him to send this little video to and no one gives a shit um, right this moment. But anyway, so of course, Gwyn Arm is like, I really don't want you to send that to the police and I really don't want to go to jail for my entire life for murdering this guy. So he starts chasing Chong Sun and this scene was so intense and so scary and I 
loved it. I think it was probably my favorite action scene of the whole drama. It was just that thing where, so Guinam is chasing Chong San along the halls and they end up in this library. So they are, like it's so full on even just the chase scene but then throughout the whole chase scene there are zombies coming at both of them every second like leaping onto them leaping out of doorways at them and they're both like you know Chong San is just trying to get away from both Guina who is relentlessly pursuing him as well as a thousand zombies who are all running at him at once and Guina is trying to like dodge all the zombies while also trying to fucking kill Chong San basically so they end up in the library and the library has like all these big, you know, heavy shelves. So they end up climbing the shelves and they're getting on top of the shelves and jumping from shelf to shelf. And it's just madness. Like it's so fast paced and I just don't like it was just filmed so well. I was just edge of my seat. It was so exciting. And then um, Chong San manages to win and Guinam it's very intense and scary. Guinam is a scary mullet head dude. Like, was super scary. But he ends up falling down. He gets, like, eaten alive by a whole bunch of zombies. And Chong, Chong San's like, cool, that guy's, he, he's fucking dead. So he, you know, fucks off back to wherever he was. He goes, I don't know, he goes, crawls up into a different classroom. But, of course, Guinam wakes up and he's not dead. And he's become one of these super zombie men. And his whole thing is, like, he's so relentless. He's like... My whole thing in life is I want to kill Chong San because he like stabbed at my eyeball just now. Um, and he's just relentless. He just pursues Chong San. So every now and then, you know, the students are all hanging out together and they've managed to get, you know, onto the roof or into a different classroom. And then bloody green arm mullethead just turns up again and attacks Chong San and wants to, wants to stick his thumb in Chong San's eyeball, which is fucked and I might point out he does manage this at the end and it really disturbed me so but basically my point was the whole chase scene was unbelievable and particularly the part in the library just was extraordinarily filmed and choreographed and the action was very exciting for me I thought it was really good um and then Chong San you know to get away from the zombies he crawls into this little vent and he crawls up this you know like it's like a service vent in the wall and he's crawling up it and he gets like you know up near the top or whatever he tries to make a phone call and this is when the internet gets shut off and I thought this was supremely uncool of the military they do it because they don't want spread of misinformation they don't want sensitive news about this city getting out globally but also they cut off survivors only means of contacting someone of consequence and letting them know where they are so you know, Chong San has just risked his life to get this bloody phone and now it doesn't work and he can't call anyone. Of course, he doesn't know there's no one to call anyway, but it's fucked. And this is the point. Chong San is just like, I don't know. He's so capable. He's so just like, you feel like he's the kind of boy that's not a big, deep thinker. He's just an actioner. He's a doer and he's just on the go all the time. But this is the point where he breaks down and he starts sobbing. And my heart, I was just like, this poor boy. Oh my gosh. I just want to save him. So that was like, I don't know. It really made me really sad. And I just, yeah, I felt really, I felt for him in that moment. It was awful. So what have I written here? I've said, um, I loved all the slower moments, um, kind of dealing with all the emotional fallout. So there's these mad action set pieces and then there's these quiet moments between the group. Um, so then, you know, these kids kind of dealing with the death of parents, um, dealing with 
the complete destruction of their future, their lives, their friends, also dealing with romantic entanglements, of course. There's this absolutely beautiful kind of romantic scene with Suhok. So Suhok, of course, is the ex-bully guy that Anjo hit on by giving him her little, you know, school name tag thing. But Suhok is very much so into Namra, who is the class president. Um, and she's also very much into him, but she gets bit and she gets a bit kind of weird and everyone's like we need to I don't know throw her out the window or something and Suhok is just he's having none of it so everyone else particularly Chongsan I might say Chongsan is so quick on the ball like if someone gets bit he's like chuck him out the window chuck him in the rubbish that's what Chongsan says um although I have to point out if it was Anjo who got bit there's like I feel like Chongsan would not do that at all so he's very selective <laughs> uh not he's, he's quite biased but anyway so Suhok is just like absolutely not I'm gonna stop you guys from throwing Namra you know out the door or out the window or whatever and so in the end he's like I'm gonna tie her to me so that if she turns she'll bite me and not you guys which I'm like but that just means you'll attack the others but anyway it doesn't matter so he's sitting with her and he's doing it to protect her because the others are very very uncertain and they're waiting for like an incubation period or whatever but anyway it's really nice and he, he says her name and she kind of smiles and she's like, you know, that's the first time you've ever said my name. You, you always call me Prez. And he's like, I know it's the first time I've said your name. I always avoid saying your name because I think that if you hear me say your name that you'll know how I feel. And so romantic and nice is this very quiet, sweet moment. And then he kind of, she's like, you know, but like, why would that matter? I think she says anyway, whatever. And he's basically explains that, you know, she's extremely smart. She's the class president. She clearly comes from a good family or like, you know, a well-to-do family. Um, and she's so smart. And he's like, I am, you know, I used to run with the bully kids. I get the worst grades. I'm, so he just has this huge, and it's so interesting because like he's super tall, he's super handsome, he's like running around, he's so capable in all the kind of action sequences, he's saving people. And it was so interesting to hear him sort of reveal he has this massive like inferiority issue that he does not feel good enough for her. He feels like he can't even approach her because she's so far out of his league. When, you know, you see him and you're like, oh, he must be the handsome popular guy at school. And obviously Anjo really likes him. Surely he has other girls throwing themselves at him. But I really liked that sort of contradiction in the way he comes across to you as a viewer. And then obviously the way that Suhok views himself, particularly, you know, when it comes to something very important that he cares about, which is Namra and how she might feel about him. And then, you know, they have this very sweet, sweet kiss. It's very, very lovely. Um, what else? Uh, loved the scene. Oh, gosh. So I'm kind of getting towards the end. There's this one scene that I really loved. This is sort of at, sort of at the end. So I guess I'll just talk about, I guess I'll talk about Chong Son. <laughs> I can't believe how raw I still feel about this. Like, I still feel so upset. Literally, all right, full spoilers. I mean, I have all along, but even more so. Um, I, the second this finished, I, along with, I think, everyone else who's watched this drama, just Googled, is Chong San really dead? Was he really dead? Why is he dead? I'm so upset. Like, so upset. Um, so what happens is, in the second last episode... 
you know, the kids get off the roof, they've, they go through this mad experience in this big gym, which was so scary, lose another person, um, lose on Joe's dad, um, Chong San sees his mum die or sees that his mum's a zombie. They crawl up through this weird construction building, which is halfway up the mountain, and it is absolutely crawling with zombies. So the best they can do is go up the stairs and then they climb out a window and there's like a, you know, like a construction um, kind of service ramp out there. So the zombies don't know they're out there. So they just sit on this ramp. They're like three stories up. They can't go back inside. They can't climb down. There's nowhere they can go. And they're all just sitting in a line with their backs against this wall. And, you know, Andre's just gone through the death of her dad. So even though by this point, Chong San has, you know, he's confessed to her on the rooftop in front of everyone. And it clearly was an insane shock for Andre. She clearly never even has contemplated him in this way. And she doesn't know what to do. And I think she feels... I guess she feels like maybe it's ruined what they have, like this friendship. He's her best friend and, you know, the world's ending and she doesn't need to kind of deal with this right now was my impression. Um, but, you know, now her dad's dead and he's comforting her. So they're sitting next to each other in a line. Everyone's with them, but he's just got his arm around her shoulders, which was really nice. I liked it because they have so much there's so much like iciness between them. She won't talk to him for a lot of the drama, even though his whole thing is just protecting her. So they're sitting there very nicely together. And then he's kind of trying to figure out what to do and how to save them to get them out of this situation. And his plan is that he'll run inside and he will scream a lot, draw all the zombies to him, and he'll run onto the roof to draw the zombies away. And meanwhile, everyone else can escape downstairs. And Anjo is immediately like, fuck no, like I don't want anyone else to do a hero sacrifice and die, which is what her dad has just done, um, which is fair enough. And Chong San's like, well, I don't really know how else to solve this situation. And he's very much, this is just his personality. He's like, throw myself in, do my best, potentially die, but oh well. As um, long as he can save Andre, he doesn't really seem to care. Um, and so he sort of, I guess they're all having a conversation about what they should do. They all decide that Chong San should not sacrifice himself. And then, of course, bloody Guinam Mullethead turns up again. This is the second, third time or something he's found them. And he attacks Chong San in a really, really intensely awful way. And he kind of gets pushed off because they're up, you know, on this service thing and Guinam falls down and is, you know, a bit hurt or whatever. But Chong San has been bit. And he, you know, looks at everyone and everyone knows what that means. Like he doesn't, he's not turning yet. Um, but basically he says like the only way they're getting down is if someone sacrifices himself by using his plan. They've got no time because by this point they've realized the school's about to get bombed by the bloody military. So they really need to get out now. They can't afford to wait any longer. And so he's going to do it. He's just going to leave them and try and save them by luring zombies away so you know he it's just so sad he has like a big goodbye with Anjo and you know everyone else is just sort of standing there watching crying but it's only really Anjo I guess that he's particularly invested in at this point and they kiss and he hugs her and it's just heartrending it was so upsetting but this is the second last episode right and so he runs onto the roof he does his big plan he pulls all the zombies out they get out safely they run into the forest to get away and then we see that evil green arm mullet head has chased um chong san up there or whatever and they have this really terrifying very scrappy fight 
where Green Arm just seems fucking insane at this point. He's so scary. And he sticks his bloody finger in Chong San's eyeball, like as revenge. So, you know, it's awful. Chong, Chong San is screaming. And then a bomb goes off, like this huge bomb at the school, killing a whole bunch of zombies. And Chong San sort of grabs stupid Green Arm and they both kind of fall down this big kind of like what's going to be, I suppose, an elevator um, kind of service, you know, big elevator room thing, channel thingy-mabobby. And they fall down and we see that the fire is like basically consumed the whole of um, Green Arm, like he's just been burnt up. And then that's it. I'm pretty sure that's the end of episode, the second last episode. So, you know, the whole last episode, every single second, I was like, he's going to pop up. He's going to be fine. Where is he? Where's he going to turn up? Even though the last episode opens with, you know, I think the camera kind of spiraling down this elevator shaft and at the bottom, there's a whole bunch of bodies, but they're just literally covered from head to toe in ash. So you can't see anything, just a whole bunch of limbs and school uniform kind of stuff. But we know a whole bunch of zombies went down there. And then it goes really close and covered in ash, we see Anjo's name tag, little red name tag, which is what she gives to Chong San. You know, they kiss, she gives him this, and then he goes to die, basically. So we see it kind of on someone's chest and we see someone's kind of limb, I think the hand, and we're like, that I mean, it looks like that might be Chong San and it fucking looks like he's a dead man. Like, I don't know. He really seems like he's dead. And so, you know, that's the opening of the last episode and Anjo is freaking out. She's crying. So she kind of goes back in with Suhok um, and Namra. They all head back into the construction site and they try and find him and he's nowhere. So they just have to leave. They end up, you know, getting saved after another big debacle, which was another really intense fight scene with zombies. And then he just doesn't turn back up and at the very end you know Namra who gets left behind because of scary zombie reasons like her turning into a scary zombie is what I mean by that they catch back up with her at the very end and she says a weirdly cryptic thing about the others are coming so you're like maybe Chong San got bit and he hasn't turned and he's like her and he's now a superhuman and maybe he's okay but the drama just ends and the more I thought about it I was like I think he's I think he's just dead and I just feel so upset about it. <laughs> but I guess a drama that can make you feel that upset about a death can only be a good drama. Like for it to make me feel this way, I guess, is a, is a feat. It's a feat. <laughs> I feel so upset. All right, that's enough of, of me waffling about stuff that I loved. Ah, okay. So stuff that I didn't love as much. Really, there was nothing. I really thoroughly enjoyed the show. I really liked it. I thought it was great. The only thing that I didn't like was Guinam and his big mullet face. Not his face. His face was fine. His mullet head. More like his mullet actions. Not so much the mullet as like the murder. It was more the murder that I didn't like. Um, the murder of Chong San, who I really liked. Um, but that wasn't a criticism that I thought, you know, the actor who played Guinam was excellent. Guinam as a character was excellent. Um, I also didn't love war, like the whole what happens to the bullied girl, um, Unji, and the dude that she was bullied with, but particularly Unji. Not that I didn't like it. I thought it, it worked in the show. It was done perfectly. I just mean it upset me. I really felt so sorry for her. 
Um, and the ending, oh my gosh, hollow ache in my chest all week, googling shit about Chong San being dead, presumably if there's a second season, which I don't know if there is or not, but I guess if, if it's a very popular show, so if Netflix does make a second season, I'm sure that Chong San will come back as like, you know, a zombie Superman. But I think if there isn't a second season, then I think he's dead. Like he did, it did seem like he was dead in the show. That was my take on it anyway. And I just don't know. Sometimes shows, you always wonder about second seasons. Like, I love the idea of it, but then I'm like, could it be as good? Like, will you just ruin the fact that the show was so good by having a second season? I'm not really sure. So anyway, um, the cat's getting a bit, a bit restless, aren't you? <laughs> Get off me. Um, so I better go and feed her because that's what she wants right now. So the best thing about all of us are dead for me was Chong San running around like a total madman. That was so much fun to watch. And the worst thing about all of us are dead was the absolute ache in my heart when Chong San died. Um, I don't even know that I realized I liked him so much as a character until he died. I just feel like there's something about him that I don't know. It was like he was sort of the heart of the show. He was the thing. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Maybe I just like to see him run around. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I really, really love this drama. I hope if you haven't seen it and it sounds like your thing and I didn't, you know, I already ruined it. Oh, no, I didn't. I was going to say I spoiled it, but this is so visually incredible. Like uh, there's heaps that I didn't cover. Um, so I really hope that you'll give All of Us a Dead a try if you haven't. And if you have watched it, I hope you got to relive the hollow sadness of it and exciting scenes all over again. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I think I'm going to stop waffling about this drama now. <laughs> me to the very end of this week's episode about K-drama. Um, thank you so much for listening. I always appreciate your time listening to my voice waffling on in your ears. Why not? <laughs> um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, just before I head off for the week, I do want to say a massive, massive thank you to all those wonderful, truly wonderful people who support the show on Patreon. I still can't quite believe that so many of you do thank you so much it really really means a huge amount to me um and i also want to say a very special shout out and a huge thank you to new patreon subscriber supporter that thing the thing that you're doing um to delaney thank you so much delaney i appreciate it so much um and also just a thank you to stella kata and also lorna um for past support and continued support so thank you and of course to everyone who is on patreon supporting the show i appreciate you guys so much thank you so much um so that's it that's it i'm gonna go uh and i'll be back next week with another rather long waffle presumably on k-drama thank you so much for listening to my weird little show um it makes me very very happy that you do and hopefully you'll tune in again next week bye bye everybody